0: Most of the time we think of our resources, we think of what we currently have. We don't think of what we need to run the business we want. Don't just kind of get narrow focused on like, well this year I'll charge more money and this year, I'll, next year, then I'll charge more money and then I'll charge more. Mo-. Like that's not a business plan. What will it take to run this thing the way that I want to run it? You can look way into the future. You can say like in five years, I want to be here. What is the resources needed to run that business? I'm
1: gonna get right in my bed. Yeah. Why you gonna try to get mad? Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared, and before we hop in, I I just wanted to remind you, because we always leave this part for the end of the podcast. Did you know that we currently are doing weekly film critiques? It's either Jason, myself, or Bobby, and we go through and we pick probably four to five different wedding films. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we did uh, uh, websites. Um, And uh, it's a great time of learning and hopefully an opportunity for you even to submit your own wedding film or website uh, for us, for the team to critique, as well as everyone else who watches live. Uh, We find it's just a great opportunity for the whole community to grow and learn from one another. And uh, it's just a fun time overall. Pour a drink and make sure you join us. We are currently doing these... Thursdays at 9 p.m., but that's subject to change. So make sure that you're just checking out and staying up to tune, uh, staying in tune with all the latest films. Well, I know one way news.
0: they can stay up to, up to tune. How's that, Jay? They could like, subscribe, and but, hit that alert bell. That, that is on true. YouTube. Um, and then they'll be up to tune. Yeah. Um, they could also go on Facebook and join our Facebook group. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of things that we do. Like for us, like the podcast, we just like to get into the content. We forget to do all this promotional stuff, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, we like connecting with you guys on the show and we like connecting with you guys in the live setting because then we can, it's more interactive.
1: So yeah. definitely check I, it out. And I, and I definitely wanted to say too, um, we appreciate all the, all of those who have, uh, stuck with us. I know the wedding film school show um, is kind of a new thing in wedding film school land, um, and a lot of people. I know it's a change of pace, especially on YouTube, when you're used to seeing one very specific thing, and now it's like, "Hey, my inbox is a whole bunch Craig
0: of where's, Cra- <laughs> where's Craig
1: Apples? Where's Craig? Where's Craig R. Appletons, our <laughs> Adamsons?" Uh- and so Craig Adam with the C it's an inside joke where every time someone wants Craig Adams, uh, they spell their name, his
0: name. Wrong. <laughs> it's like, I love Craig Adams. They <laughs> can't even spell his name. It's like,
1: we will love that guy.
0: You love him. You're psyched uh, up.
1: But, yeah, we, we do appreciate you sticking with us. Um, hopefully this has been helpful for some of you who want to do kind of more of a deep dive into your wedding film business and uh, and learn from other people as well as Jason and myself. We've been running uh, a wedding uh, film business for 12 years at this point.
0: I'm super grateful for this opportunity to get to do this whole wedding film school thing because it's an important part of the wedding education Ecosphere—it's meant a lot to a lot of people. So we wanna, we wanna do you proud. We wanna do a good job. So with that in mind, let's start with a really highbrow segment.
1: Okay, yeah, <laughs> let's do this segment. This is actually—I think—it might be my favorite segment right now. Uh, it's called the Wedding Film School Would You Rather. <laughs> Still gotta work on that. We got—we gotta I actually like put in one. the time and actually put in some good ones. I I want some, like, clown uh, and and circus-type music. Oh, yeah. Smooth jazz, yeah.
0: This is a good groove. Yeah. All right, let's do this.
1: So let's do... Today we're going to do... Would You Rather... um, And we're both going to give each other uh, a question today. So (laughs) the first one I'm going to give to Jay. Um, Jason, would you rather have chub rub on a wedding day, or would you rather have a uh, sprained ankle throughout a wedding day?
0: What is chub rub?
1: Okay, so let's premise with what is chub rub. Uh, chub rub is that thing where you're chafing kind of uh, in an area where your your pants meet. Ah. And, and, you know, it's very common when shooting a wedding, especially in warmer climates, uh, to have a little bit of chub rub going on. So
0: chafing on. or... What's the other one?
1: Or a sprained ankle on a wedding day. These are both things that I've encountered.
0: See, here's my thing about that is like, I feel like the chafing is inevitable and a sprained ankle is avoidable. And so I think I would rather have the chafing because the the sprained ankle, I'm not sure I could do my job as well.
1: I've done it. It's hard and it's a different type of pain. I'll yeah. just say that. And also with a sprained ankle, there's not as much adjusting going on. So it's like, there's also the, the public kind of like mm-hmm. perception where you're, you know, yeah. adjusting the crotch on a wedding day isn't necessarily professional.
0: It's, it's not the best. Professional. I mean, but you need to find the, a
1: corner and, you know.
0: At the end of the day, though, for me, if I couldn't, like, I'm forgetting a lot of things. Oh, no, I got to get over there. Oh, my ankle. Like, I don't want to be in that situation. No, it, it's not good. Neither are. No. Uh, but I
1: respect your answer. I think it's probably what I One of
0: them you can well. just get through, like with a little self-discipline
1: yeah Uh, and Um, and a lot of arm and hammer
0: mm -hmm, see i'm not a arm and hammer guy no it gives you cancer
1: so i mean (laughs) apparently good for me
0: (laughs) but you know i know that that a lot of people like that's an essential part of their wedding filmmaking kit
1: yeah yeah. like
0: arm and hammer which is always like never been a thinking part for me so so here's my would you rather for you would you rather forget that you had a wedding (laughs) <laughs> and um, show up like late. Yeah. Um, and this is with a, no, let's say, would you rather forget you had a wedding and not even shoot it? Or shoot a wedding and lose all the footage? Oh,
1: wow, that's a really good question.
0: <laughs> I have to think about that.
1: Hard. Um, you know, okay, so this is what I would say. I would probably rather shoot the wedding Because A, I could prove myself to a couple like, I'm here, I'm responsible, I'm trying hard. And then blaming the technology is always a shoe in bet of like, oh, this damn camera broke or whatever. As opposed to it being fully on your shoulders that... I was just an idiot. No, you right.
0: know what's funny about that is like, I get people lose things, yeah. but like, it also is your fault. <laughs> like if you don't uh, yeah. back stuff up, no, if you don't totally. multiple copies. If- they don't know that though. The client doesn't know yes.
1: that. Yes. The client doesn't know that, but I mean, at least you would be like, well, you know, this, and you could doubly blame it on the technology. And yes, I, I think as a professional, it is my fault. And I feel horribly because it would be my fault.
0: I think I would agree with your perspective as well. Both would be nightmare scenarios yeah. for, I mean can you believe that we've never lost someone's footage like really
1: <laughs> No we haven't really lost it uh we've been able to recover it Yeah this we had probably... a problem
0: one time but yes. like we we've never like lost a wedding of all the weddings uh... we've done if you're listening to this we've done like over 700 weddings yeah. probably
1: 750 something yeah
0: and um we've never lost someone's footage mm-hmm. So like I said
1: Knock on Knock this on huge one. ass wood table. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so that's would you rather comment of what, what would you rather would you rather in the comment section? Yeah. Uh, give us
0: uh, some good would you rather's down there yeah. because, um, Wedding days are. Um, Let's
1: be honest. It's just for traffic. We want to hear your. <laughs> we want to hear your opinion.
0: We just of. really need to just build up our clicks, the YouTube algorithm. Comment section. Even if you just write like "I hate you" in the <laughs> comments,
1: like. Or thumbs down. There's someone always. Every time we post uh, a new video, someone immediately thumbs downs us. So they don't even watch Thank it. Thank you for your thumbs down because <laughs> the the uh, value for YouTube is exactly the same. That's not true. It isn't. No. It is. Its
0: comments are.
1: I thought it was thumbs down or thumbs up gives no. you the same amount of, of uh, promotion.
0: I Maybe that's true. Yeah? I'll look that up and if, if, if you're right, I'll leave it in. And yeah. If you're wrong, I'll cut it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does your wedding filmmaking business offer live streaming? Maybe you're just looking to get into live streaming. Wherever you find yourself today, one of the most overlooked elements of a successful live stream is securing a rock solid connection to your final destination. In that case, you should check out the LiveU Solo. The LiveU Solo offers bonded cellular streaming, which combines up to four separate internet connections into a single, fully redundant connection. Live stream with confidence to any platform from basically any location. This thing is battery-powered, they're plug-and-play, and they're supported by LiveU's innovative LRT service. The LiveU Solo is perfect for any event videographer that needs an easy, on-the-go, reliable stream. Get one today. So we've been doing a series, guys, called um, Your Business Plan Sucks. And, and last week we talked, not last week, last week we had Craig Adams on. Go check that one out if you want to hear. The founder of Wedding Film School is a really cool interview. But um, we've been kind of going through your business plan sucks. And your business plan actually might be awesome, by the way. But most of ours probably sucks as as wedding creatives, right? Yeah. So we wanted to talk through, like, thinking about creating a business plan for your wedding creative business. Um, And we've been breaking down the elements of a good business plan. And so just to recap, like, a business plan is basically just a document that outlines where you're going with your business. And, and hopefully when we kind of get through these episodes, we're going to hopefully give you a picture of how to create your business plan. And you're going to be able to take some of the lessons you've learned, kind of put it all and apply it towards a business plan. So keep in mind, that's where we're headed with all this stuff. The first episode in this series, we talk about your business model, which is how your kind of business operates, how it generates wealth and the things that goes into a good business model. And this week, we're going to talk about your personal resources or the resources that your business needs to run, right?
1: Right, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, to somebody who is new, I guess, to to running a business, you know, what would, you know, the resources section be? Because I'll admit, when I first looked at this, I was like, okay, well, you, you know, like I, maybe someone out there is just starting, they're like, I have zero resources. And so, is that necessarily true, even if you're just kind of getting started?
0: No, I mean, the resources, just to make it simple, if you're running a business, let's imagine it's a um, a hot dog stand, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you want to run. And and we don't often think of our businesses like hot dog stands, but it's a simple type of business model. Sure. And it has resources, right? So, you need a, a stand, mm-hmm. you know, you need the inventory to make the food. You of course need a certain amount of time per day to warm up your hot dogs and a certain amount of time today per day to clean up your hot dogs. You, you mean
1: pool. you can't run a hot dog stand if you're indoors playing video games all Nor, day or
0: and it doesn't instantly transport there.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Like it doesn't just when you open at noon suddenly it appears there. Mm-hmm. Have, That'd be a sweet
1: business. actually. It would be a you, sweet you, business. <laughs> you have no, it takes robot, hours thought, to yeah. set up, and hours yeah. to
0: clean. You need a place to put it. You know, you need um, maybe some relationships in the industry, uh, some suppliers to give you the hot Someone dogs. Someone in you the need. city council
1: and, that you're, you know, sneaking money to. You yeah, know, and and you also resource, need yeah. like
0: to make good hot dogs that people want to eat, mm-hmm. that people like. And so, like in terms of a wedding business, right? Most of the time we think of our resources, first of all, we think of what we currently have. We don't think of what we need to run the business we want. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest changes we want to make in people's mind is getting wedding professionals to not just look at what they have now and, and not even just go like, oh, if only I could do, like, I think there's this one path people go on, which is like, I'm going to start shooting elopements or destination or something glamorous, Um, And there's nothing wrong with that, but because they're perfectly viable forms of business. But I want people to just be thinking, okay, don't just kind of get narrow focused on like, well, this year I'll charge more money and this year, next year. then I'll charge another more money and then I'll charge more. Like, that's pretty much that's not a business plan is every year charge more money. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's good. If you can pull it off. Awesome. But think about other things beyond just every year I charge more money. And to think about our business is the same way you might think of a hot dog stand, which is what will it take to run this thing the way that I want to run it? Like you can look way into the future. You can say like in five years, I want to be here and think like, what is the business needed to run? What is the resources needed to run that business? So we're talking time, money, gear, relationships, and then proof of work.
1: Would you say it's fair to say, you know, that, that charging more money isn't a business model, but maybe it's a, a fraction of the business model?
0: Yeah. I think in everything is part of your business model. It's not in itself a business plan, by the way, not business model. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right.
0: Um, it's in your business plan. How much you want to charge should be in your business plan. And because it's important to where you want to be because it creates the margins that you want and all these things, but it shouldn't just be charged more just because that's what someone on a podcast told you to do. Mm-hmm. It should be charged more because it's going to help you hit goal X or goal Y.
1: It, yeah, charging more will allow you to buy a better camera that will allow you to have a better reel, that will allow you to get in front of a better planner. Or it
0: will allow you to shoot the amount of weddings you want to shoot to have the lifestyle you want yeah. or to have the profit margins that you want or to invest in... God forbid, like we actually talk about like 401ks and saving money, you know, like if you think of it this way, if every year you have to spend 20 grand on gear and every year you need 60 grand to live, you're living hand to mouth. Yeah. If you're making 80 grand. Yep. If you're making and then if you start making 120 grand, what do you do with that? Do you put it back in the business? Do you invest it? Do you what do you do with it? And it's like your business model will help you kind of navigate There are perils of failure, of course, but it's easier to run a business that's not doing well or growing than it is to run a business that's kind of hit a certain plateau. Mm -hmm. And a business plan will go like this. Now, when you hit this milestone, this is how you get to this next one. Like, even if you're not totally clear, at least it gives you like some clarity. Mm -hmm. So, So we're looking at resources, right? And what I want you to do, if you're listening to this, is we have a little sheet in the description and if you go to our website weddingfilm.school forward slash resources again if you're listening weddingfilm.school forward slash resources um, if you go there I want you to look at this form and, and it, it's and there's a downloadable that goes with this episode and there's going to be two three pages on it and one of the sections is going to be your a current resources inventory checklist and what I want you to do is look in and just before you listen to the rest of the episode, ideally, because I think it'll be a nice experiment for you, write down the resources that you have, write down, and this is the resources you have to make your product, right? To make what you wanna make. So like your t- the time it takes you and the time you have, maybe you're like, well, oh, I work part time, right? So you might say like, okay, I have 10, 12 hours on a Saturday, and then I'm editing 20 hours a week on top of my other 40 hours that, by the way, good, good job if you're working that hard, but maybe whatever it is, kind of inventory that your money that you're willing to put in money that you have to put into it. Maybe there's zero. Maybe you're like, Oh, I got five grand that I'm putting in and that's going into my marketing. Who knows? Um, the gear that you have, you know, I have these two cameras, blah, blah, blah um the relationships you have that are part of your business that's part of your resources the contacts that you have in the industry that help you get work and run your business and then the what is your portfolio like and this is a little trickier but i think it's just important to kind of, let, kind of take stock of the quality of your portfolio and what are, what are what are the strengths and weaknesses of it is it showing off the things that you want or not and kind of just taking stock of that and so do that Pause the episode and then come back to us. So I'll give you a minute. Okay, they're back. They just did it. Let's talk about these resources a little bit, Jared. When we first
1: started um, breaking these down, I don't think I realized um, how much these resources kind of played into our business personally. So uh, this has been a plus for even us trying to whittle down because we actually go through and we're like, Oh yeah, these are the areas that we're struggling with personally. So I think, and and I think a good common um, kind of theme for this episode um, and this whole series is just you're never finished with this. You're never finished kind of taking stock in your resources and trying to decide where your your pressure points are, and where your points of pain are.
0: Right. Well, in like the the synergy between the first two is really interesting to me because mm-hmm. we're going to talk time, money, right. Um, time versus money time in concert with money they're they're like forever entwined right yep. it's like if you're if, if one of your resources that you have or one of the resources required for your business is a certain amount of hours that you just don't have then you're going to have to spend money to get like that time back if you don't have money it's going to cost time. And if you don't have time, it's going to cost money.
1: Yeah. I think where a lot of people are, when they're at least first starting out, um, you know, and and again, this isn't just for people who are starting out. This is also for people that have been doing their business forever. But when you're first starting out, you're probably part-time, right? You probably have a side job or a full-time job and you're doing this on the weekends. Um, And it's a lot harder to find time, but it's probably hard to find time Time no matter who you are. but. Uh, when you first start out, you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna shoot this wedding on the weekend. Um, when do I have time to edit it? It's like ten o'clock to midnight and then I go to bed. like so so taking stock of the actual hours that you have to be able to you know put towards whatever you're gonna be creating.
0: Well, and even the hours that are required.
1: yeah, because yeah. it's like when you're first starting out, you might you probably don't even know what that time is yeah, how many hours you're gonna need to put in? And,
0: and so when we're thinking about this, I did want to say, a lot of this you're gonna be guessing, and that's okay. Like yeah. at least having a range of what you're aiming for is important. and then, of course, recalibrating. So like if you go like, oh, I want to spend twenty hours on editing a, a highlight film, a five to seven minute highlight film, you might find that you can do it much quicker. You might find that you can't do it much quicker. You might find that you're terrible at editing in a quick way and that you're costing yourself money. So let's talk about timing because I like this first thing. The first thing you need to take stock of um, and evaluate when you're creating your business plan um, and you're looking at your resources is your time resources. This is not just the time that you have. This is the time that is required to make a profitable business operate. Um, This is – needs to be this will take some experience i think to get exactly right
1: well it's important for people to do um what is important for people to do is actually take stock of the time it took you on the last project and this is something i think a lot of creatives don't do no especially when you're first starting out I, i saw on a facebook group the other day like i have no idea how much to charge per hour and again that's that correlation between time and money and that's just due to people. They, people just don't keep track. It's like whenever you're editing, you know, you're just editing till one o'clock in the morning sometimes, and you're just like, oh, tomorrow I'll finish it. Well, they think or of whatever, it like but any- it's important to actually be like, well, this this actually took me all in all five hours. And all, a lot of us too. I mean, I, this is how I am. Is like I'm so ADD that I'll work on something, and then I'm doing email, and then I'm doing this and whatever. And like I think it's important for you to like <laughs> work at just actually being focused enough to be able to keep track. Of what this timing looks like. One of the
0: things that I like to do when it comes to this is just spot evaluation. Mm-hmm. I don't track everything, but every once in a while, track it. Mm-hmm. Just take a few, like a few sample sizes throughout your year. Like, and just um just kind of like, oh, that was an average wedding, so Leah, I'm gonna this wedding I'm gonna track it. Maybe like 20% of your weddings that you're editing, you're tracking. And as long as you know, like, I'm not wildly diverting or changing how I'm doing things just to hit my timer, like, you probably will end up doing it very similar. Like, with our guys, I have a time I'm looking for. I don't look at every one of their weddings. Mm. I kind of just average it out. I look at, like, you know, 10, 12 weddings and go, like, yeah, we're pretty close to where we want to be. And, and then we have this discussion every year where, like, what could we do to be faster? We picked our song. Went like Because a lot of things with time is, like, when you do something can be just as important as how long it takes to do something. Mm-hmm. So like, for us, we're seasonal, right? Right. So we have almost no weddings, very few, from like November to April, pretty much. I have a lot of time to, for instance, choose songs for my wedding films for the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. at least from like a create playlists and do selects and stuff that time is during the wedding season when I'm editing and I have a deadline w- is very poorly spent doing that. So something that's a good investment of your time in certain parts of your year might be a bad investment type of your time. It's not all, it's not, all things are not always equal, right? When you, when you have a deadline pressing on you. So I think this is an interesting one because time is not an infinite resource, right? People think of right. it as like a thing that they have infinite of.
1: I think this is an area too where, you know, you people that want to get into corporate work, you know, you quickly realize that they are very good at keeping track of how much time they spend on a certain project because it's how they bill. It's like I'm gonna shoot for four or six or eight hours, full day rate, and then I'm gonna edit and then I'm gonna send the client a bill. It's different in the wedding industry where you're you're essentially billing them up front. And then the rest of the time you can just be as efficient or lazy as you want to be. And you determine what your hourly rate is there. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, if you want to get into corporate work, get good at keeping track of how much time you're spending on these things. Cause it will translate in that field and in that world.
0: I would say to everyone, the time resources that you have and the time resources that you think it will cost you probably aren't going to match up right away. This will take some calibration and, and figuring it out. But I do want you to think about your time as money. I know it's an old cliche, time is money, but it really is. And like, if you are spending, I always do this with someone. They go, how much should I charge for this? And I go, okay, how much time does it take you to do? Okay, well, how many hours do you have to sell? I need two hours a week or one hour, 30 minutes or whatever it is, per wedding I book to sell that wedding. Then I need 10 hours to shoot the wedding. Then I need 20 hours to edit the wedding. Take that number divide it by how much you s- charge the client. And if you really want to get detailed, add in all your costs as well. That's how much you should be charging per hour. And when you are slower than that, you are making less per hour because you are able to produce less time or less money with the time you have. And that's really all the equation is how much money can I produce with the time I'm going to put into this business every week? If you have 30 hours to put into your business and you could make twice as much money if you just changed a few of your habits or outsourced, yeah, you're just leaving money on the table. And so time will help you get there. And so most creatives are bleeding money because they have poor time management.
1: Yeah. I yeah. really think that. So goes the endless tale of yes. creatives. All, all of us. <laughs>
0: all of us. All of us. And, you know, for us, we oftentimes don't have time. So the next one is really critical for us, which is what are the financial resources the money the money factor that i think is one of the resources you need to look at when you are creating your business plan it's it's a very important resource why do you think in some business models they and where that are set up the business plan is like okay this is the capital needed to start this thing up like that's how normal like businesses run they look and they create capital they raise capital they work with and in wedding filmmaking we don't think about money hardly at all. It's not hmm. making money. We just so, want to make money, but
1: yeah, yeah, but as far as like investing upfront, how
0: like, much does it cost? How much do I need to spend to r- to run this business? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um well, I think it just comes down to a lot of people getting into it aren't business minded. They they are thinking about their um creative, you know, avenues first and foremost. And so that's why we got into the business. We were like well, actually, we were like, we want cool cameras, and we want to create cool art with our cool cameras, and therefore, we got into it, and we were just like, let's just max out our credit cards <laughs> and get into it. That, that was the first step that we great, took.
0: Great great business model for yeah, us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it, it worked out, so I, want a, I would say it can work, but probably not the most ideal. Let me
0: wish. tell you actually what I actually did, just so people know, because it's funny. Now, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, we did do this with money. I said- how much money do I need to make to pay this off? Sure, because I because the the truth was I looked at it and said like oh this is a lot of money, right? Do I want to take this risk on a credit card? And I'm not recommending everyone gets a credit card, but I did think about the money and I said all I gotta do is book like three jobs. Yep, and and then I can and then sell it if it doesn't work and I just pay off the debt and so like I'm giving myself the financial startup capital to run this business and get it going. If you're starting up, that is more of a meaningful story. If you're already operating a business, maybe not. But it is interesting. It's like, we often don't think about that. For people who are running their business, do you think a lot of wedding creatives really think about the need to infuse the business with cash on a regular basis? Um,
1: it's hard for me to say, because we, we don't run our business that way. I think it's different for somebody who is running their business as a solo operator. It's like, oh, I made thirty thousand dollars more this year. Now I'm gonna buy a car for, for me personally. that or that's what pay it always off my seems mortgage like
0: more or something for,
1: yeah, and and it's like I'm gonna take it to my personal you know account and and you know, I was having a, a conversation with someone the other day about this because I think it is kind of interesting because you know, having money in the bank account of the business bank account just to have it there. I think it's kind of useless. Like to just have it there as like a, you know, a well, I would say you should have a plan for what that money is gonna be, coronavirus being one of them. Um, I think if I was running my business personally though, and maybe this is a point that you and I could, you know, debate. Um, I would rather almost have that money if it was just me running it in my personal bank account, because then people couldn't go after my business account. Like
0: I don't debate that. Yeah. I, I think putting money into your Savings. I mean personal budgeting is always if you're a solopreneur, like that's why you're running your business. Yeah. It's to make money. Like, exactly. You're you you should not feel bad about that. I do think you need to take stock of you shouldn't take it all home. I don't think anyone should do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't. It's not about the money in the bank account, like I would spend it. Yeah. Saying like you should try to think through how what are what are my financial resources that I'm willing to contribute to this business. Mm-hmm. And what are the needed? And I'm like, if you're starting out, maybe you have a pile of cash. Yep. Right? That can go into a lot of things. Getting a space. Maybe you need an office. Maybe you need marketing. Maybe you need more cameras. Yep. You know, and then if you're running it, it's like, okay, what are the things every year I break a lens? Every year I do, like, Yep. you have to be considering, I mean, we're going to talk in another episode about budgeting, Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the resources your business needs to live is cash. It's not just your talent, your time. It does require cash. And I think for me, that's the most important thing to impress upon people is you need to buy insurance. You need to your business should be paying for these things like and it needs to be built into the business plan. Yep. Enough money to pay for the business to operate like you can't be paying out of your own pocket for your office space. And I know they'll be like, well, I mean, I'm the, they're the same. I'm like, no, your pocket is not the same as your business's pocket. Mm-hmm. If I need to make $80,000 salary to pay for my mortgage and live, then my, and my business needs $20,000 a year for marketing, rent, gear, I need to make a lot more than $80,000 because the business has to eat and yep. my kids got to eat. Yep. And I think that's really what is important to me is getting people to think about that.
1: It's, it's a combination of, to me, it's a combination of feeding the beast, you know, yep. feeding the business. I
0: always say you got to feed the baby.
1: And, and then also, um, the thing about money is it's the great problem solver, right? So mm. it's like, if I need a problem to go away, I can always spend money on it. And so I, th- that's if where I think, it. if you have it, that's why I would say, you know, don't, uh, if you are a solopreneur, take it home. That's the point is to f- feed yourself, feed your family to, 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 Make profit. You know, Mike McCowitz talks about that in profit first. Take the money home. That's the whole point of the whole thing. Don't feel guilty about that. But then also, you know, have enough money and only you can really decide what that correct amount of money is uh to be able to solve problems. And- I,
0: I think I'll say it this way. If you're new and you're starting out, being conservative is probably the way to go financially. Basically, you want to spend as little as possible to run your business. I don't think that's what that is. We can debate, but I think little is possible is pretty much what you want to do when you're starting out.
1: And we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more as to how much or maybe ratios in, in a, uh, a previous yeah, we'll have a, um, an episode later. Yeah. About budgeting. A little later on.
0: But I will say for those of you that are listening and you're creating a business plan off of a business that's operating, you are probably, and you're hitting a wall. If you're hitting a wall you probably are hitting the time money wall where your time can no longer you're out of enough you're out of time to produce money so you need to start spending money to produce time and that is going to change the the financial resources required in your business which if we want to talk about raising prices that's when you start going i have to raise prices i have to raise prices to produce the income needed to buy myself more time
1: this this is the wall i think most entrepreneurs face it's like it's probably the first big hurdle for a lot of entrepreneurs where you know how often do you hear about like the business owner he's running his own business is never at home with the wife and kids sure is never because they're just like giving all their time to the business and not trusting you know the money to handle or they don't Freeing up their time.
0: They don't have a business model that makes enough money. They're not charging enough. Yep, yep. They're not. They're, they're, they're spending in the wrong areas, whatever it is. like, It's almost always a good investment to spend money on things that give you back time. Mm-hmm. My opinion, I always say, if I spend $1,300 on, we're talking about the 18 Mini Extreme, I bought this thing. Love this thing, by the way. It's so dope. It will save me about two hours a week. I value my time at about $150 an hour. I think I'm trying to produce that with commercial or whatever I do, that's how I value it. So when I look at it I go, by buying this, if I save two hours a week, I can make this money back in no time just by having two more hours to do other stuff. And I think most likely a wedding creatives, if you're listening and you're like in that three year, five year kind of place of your business, you probably need to start putting a little more cash back into the business, whether it be through third party or hiring someone or buying a NAS that actually does your backups for you. All these things will give you back the time you need in order to do the social media, build the portfolio, build the relationships, all that stuff. So, time, money, they're kind of the same, but they're different and they have some different. Ways of solving your problems. The third thing, and, and this is very centered on filmmakers and photographers, because I wouldn't use this word for another business, but I'm fine saying it. The third thing that you need to look at as a resource for your business is your gear. We love talking about gear, right?
1: Yeah. Is this where we do a gear talk?
0: We could do a little gear talk. No, maybe we don't maybe. have to
1: do a gear talk.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, we're going to talk gear. Like We were talking about before this, Like this is the gear that you need to run the business that you this is interesting, actually. The business you want, or the business that is a good business?
1: I think it's a great question. I think it's the crux of the wedding creative. <laughs> the question that they're asking is, what is what kind of equipment do I want? Is it the brand new, you know, Sony Alpha One, <laughs> the, the, or or what, 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 film what camera, GFX, or what camera do I? need essentially what gear do i need in order to have a
0: what does it what does that even mean to say i need gear when i say i need this gear i think that's a very interesting statement because you do need gear you do need to keep spending money on gear like this whole like oh gear doesn't matter it's like okay if your camera breaks you need a new one that's how you make a living so i need this gear evaluating that question i think is one of the most challenging things for wedding creatives because there's buying something new there's always this idea in your head that either you're going to unlock some magic talent that you didn't know that you had like oh i'm i i just got this gfx medium form sorry large format sensor from fuji as a photographer or i just got the a1 and and it oh, the autofocus is so good. And we'll even, like, try to convince ourselves that we're producing way better work.
1: Or that all of a sudden, as soon as you buy it, it comes in from B&H, like, the planner in your nearby city just calls you the day of and is like, I heard you got a new piece of gear, and I want to hire... it never happens. You
0: posted (laughs) one medium-format image, and I really noticed the bokeh was so much better. Yeah, yeah. Like, and there is some truth to it, because... We're artists, you know, we're craftsmen, women. And when we, you can't separate your emotional connection to your gear. Um, and, so there's a couple of things about it. There's gear you need that you need because something broke. Like maintenance. You need a camera. You can't not have a camera and eventually all your cameras will break or stop working or need to be replaced. There's that kind of gear. There's... Here you need to keep up with market demand that will not necessarily generate more revenue, but will keep you from losing revenue. We were talking about 4K. I'm not sure we're there yet as a business, but you know, me and you have we we don't shoot 4K weddings on our main product until this year. Yep. And we and I'll tell you why we didn't do it because it didn't make me any money. And it cost me a lot of money. Yep. But I knew it was gonna have to change. So, like, probably three years ago, we started planning and strategizing and thinking through what is this transition gonna look like to 4K. Now, we might make a little bit more money, be able to, you know, because it does cost more. So, I don't mind charging more because it costs more, but I'm not necessarily making a lot more profit by doing 4K necessarily. Maybe some people are, we're probably not gonna. That is a type of thing that your business requires, right? That like, it's not going to make you a lot more money, but you have to do it because the market demands it. And I think the third thing is gear that you invest in that allows you to charge more money, right? You need it to live streaming. If you buy a Yolo box, link below, go ahead and buy one, supports our channel, um, or an AT Mini and you add live streaming capabilities, you might add $20,000, $30,000 to your bottom line. And I think those are the three ways I look at gear. It's like, what do I need? Maintenance kind of purchases, keeping up with the Joneses type purchases, market demand purchases, and then ones that will actually start moving the needle towards charging more. And I think if we're being honest, the third category is what most of us justify our purchases with and is the least true.
1: Well, actually, I was going to say, I mean, with live streaming, I mean, we've already made back all – probably 2 3 times what we've spent on But
0: most people don't do that. Most people like are like I need seven new lenses, I need a new gimbal, I need a new can and like you like you were talking about before. Like you're like, "Well, why would I want to do that? I can make all the same money with my Mark III, My Canon 5D Mark 3." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You will not make a dollar more by buying a new gimbal. Mm-hmm. The client doesn't care if you have a 6-year-old crane 2
1: yeah, I mean, it's all about that gas suppression, man. It's about <laughs> keeping that that what is it? Uh, uh, Pepto Bismol for your your gas, dude. Like, um, but right now we're going through it where we're switching over to all Fuji Film, like you mentioned. Um, and the question in my mind is, okay, I really like the Crane Weeble, you know, the lab. Um, we only need the Crane Weeble. I'd like everyone to have the same exact crane. Or 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 stabilizer gimbal, um, why don't I just buy all you know Weeble? And I'm like, I really don't need to. Am I just doing this so it's easier for me? You how know, much gonna, easier
0: is it really? How much easier
1: is it really? Like, because yeah, right now, dude, we have. Five Sticks. different types of gimbals, you know. I think the, we have the, eight gimbals. The Crane 3, the Crane 3S, <laughs> we have the Weeble Lab, we have the uh, If you need uh, a gimbal, Crane give us a call, two, we'll we sell you a gimbal. The the Ronin M, we have the Ronin, we have the Ronin S. Like, <laughs> those are the gimbals that we have. Uh, and we have multiples of almost all of them. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just like, I want to streamline it, make it so I don't have to do training on all these different things. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it might be worth it. I haven't done the numbers on it, but I think a lot of people don't even consider, you know, uh, what their numbers are. Is this going to make them more money? Well, why are money? you
0: buying? What the, the needs of the business are the first thing you need to be evaluating. So our business model, when we think about gear, we're always looking at a couple different things. And, and this will be maybe different than yours. We have a studio model. We, we train our teams and we always think about, first of all, when I buy one, I have to buy multiple because we don't want multiple different kits going out because that's confusing it's hard to train someone on seven different gimbals which is what we're currently doing um because we're trying to we're always we're also always trying to find the perfect piece of gear that fits into our workflow which is like that combination of like durability speed quality where it's like and so we're always looking at gear in those ways and when we make like decisions like this is what we want to do we typically do like six of them five of them and so i and then we're picking up time and we're picking up efficiency and then of course I can send it with our team and we know it's going to be a better product and ease more repeatable results for your business you might be the only person using that gear so maybe you don't have some of those considerations but you need to know why you are making these purchases and what your business really needs to be profitable like versus what you just want to be happy and they're not necessarily in competition but I think it's important to know when you're making a decision because you want to do it and when you're making a decision because it's within your business plan.
1: Yeah, and another thing that we tend to have a problem with at our company is like, we like the gear, we'll buy a piece of gear use it for a few weddings and we're like meh and then we just never use it again and we don't sell it and we don't sell it because that takes time and ebay's a bitch (laughs) but uh
0: that's actually why we got involved wedding film school so we can just tell you about our used gear and then (laughs) in the comments
1: yeah in the comments if you want to buy a ronin first generation that tilts sideways and i can't figure out why it does that
0: or four (laughs) or five uh (laughs) canon 5d mark IVs.
1: yeah um yeah that's funny uh yeah, but 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 also is it gear that you, you're gonna pick up and just actually not use and, and avoiding that uh, trap essentially.
0: Totally. So. And and you don't always know, but I think just evaluating what does my business the most r- important part yep. really need yep. in order to operate and be a real business. And and the, and I think it's okay to look long term here. Like like we were talking and debating the four K versus ten eighty thing. You know, if you were starting a business now and you bought a bunch of used 1080 cameras, you could make a lot of money.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like, so, you know,
1: it's hard for me to say what everyone should be doing. That's a great point, is is value. And this will be hard. Again, this is hard. If you're just starting out, all this is hard because you don't know. There's so many variables, like, you just don't have information on. Like, if you're first starting out, I'd make an argument that, hey, pick up some Canon Mark 3s for, like, $500. Find them online, and then you know you can make wedding films this summer. You can go out and shoot something that's great, and then honestly, if, the, if you're buying them for five hundred dollars now, you could probably buy them for five hundred dollars in the or sell them for five hundred dollars and, and just you know break even yeah, on your gear and then make money with it in the meantime. Like I would make an argument as as a mentor to somebody, that's maybe what a lot of people should do because then you're spending a thousand dollars on two cameras, and and as opposed to you know, three thousand. You're saving yourself two grand. Um, you know that that'd be an argument. Whereas if you do buy new gear, that's going to depreciate over time. And so if you sell it I, in the fall, you know, So there, there's a, there's a lot of things. The that... thing
0: I'll tell someone with gear is systems matter. So like if you're like, I want to be on the A7S3. Well, okay, maybe you don't get an A7S3, but at least get a like buy something where the lenses will match. You know, that will help your business model. Is Like mm-hmm. if you buy an older Sony, or something where you can use the E-mount lenses that you buy for the old thing. And then when you upgrade your body, you just switch them over. I think that thinking through that.
1: Yeah. This is probably where Jason and I will be the wedding film dads and just be like, you know what, son or daughter? Do you really need that? Sometimes you just have to, you know, bite the bullet and deal with it for a little bit until you can get what you want and afford that car or yep, yep. video game or whatever it might be like just save hope, money save money will be a little bit boring and just tell you to save money to freaking deal with it and this is <laughs> you'll never hear this conversation anywhere else in the wedding film industry uh where we're just talking about looking at gear from this perspective right where it's like no we're not like we're not gonna say just go out and buy the brand new camera that just came out that's awesome that looks great until you're in a position to really do that until you're in a position where if you're at the top of the market, if you're Alex Douglas if you're Henry's martins or or any you know Lindsay Conklin at at the top of their market, um, maybe you do need to do that maybe you do maybe it's life and death. I, I would even argue up there your clients probably don't know they've liked the work they did in the past like yeah but, I would but tend still.
0: To, I would tend to think. There is a place in your business, like this changes a lot, is what I'm saying. Yes. This changes a lot. There's a place in your business where there's an ebb and flow to this, and, and but you do need to be considering, what do I need? And some of it could be as simple as three cameras. Sure. I need three cameras because I want to do a three-camera ceremony. Okay, that's if that's where you're at and that's all you know, great. You have a lot of options, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> if you like, It's okay to say, I literally only need three cameras, and it doesn't matter what they are. I, you know most of us will get more fine-tuned yep. but that we're not t- telling you you need to decide like in your business your business plan is not b- be a sony shooter <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it doesn't. it's like it's more about like i need to deliver a 4k film i need three camera bodies i need an a cam and two two matchings bc cams i like something like that is probably more what you're trying to get at i need two long lenses one short lens i need to get like more like thinking through categorically what you need mm -hmm. and then trying to figure out what needs what cameras fit that system because probably that won't change a lot over the years you'll just have more money to buy better stuff
1: yeah anyway well if you if you decide to do associates you know and bring on teams like That does change a little bit, but at least you know what your model is.
0: And I'll say this you'll regret saying, I have to have all Sony A1s if you want to have to add another team and you have to spend 18 grand on camera bodies to get the same product. Yep. So, anyway, uh, I think the next one is relationships. The next thing you need to be looking at with your resources is what is your inventory of relationships and what are the ones needed to run the business you want. So like, what are the key contacts that a wedding filmmaking and photography business needs to be successful? You know, and I think there's a thing here, which is there are always gaps in our knowledge with this. You know, the more as you start pursuing like, okay, the next thing I want to do as a business, you're going to find out like, I have no idea how to book a wedding at Pelican Hill. I don't know that person. Mm -hmm. Different markets too. Some markets are very planner based. Some markets are very venue based, you know, all these things, but like, what are the relationships you need, um, to, to book it? And I, and I will say this, like, if you're looking and you're going, well, I want to do this. I don't know how to do it. I don't know the relationships. I think one of the biggest things people starting out is they don't know how the industry works. They don't know who the power players are. They don't know the, I always say like the food chain like the at the watering hole who drinks first who's downwind of the other person in wedding filmmaking world they don't know all those rules and so like one of the things you might want to do is when you're looking at this look at what you like the types of work you want to do the type of places you want to work and then start researching and figuring out like ask say there's a photographer or a filmmaker that works at a place a lot just ask them like how did you get that gig like it's okay to do a little research here to start creating the idea and it doesn't have to be that specific it could just be like planners and venues but it could be if your business model is like luxury planners luxury venues you might need certain contacts
1: there's a lot of copy and paste from our our last episode about uh your business model sucks uh we're talking about customers talking about like These people will often be your planners, your photographers, the people that you work with that will refer you, like obviously relationships there. But I would also add one to this relationship part that um, I think is really valuable, and that's the role of a a mentor. So so to your point about not knowing what you should know, a mentor will know what you should know. So going out there and actively finding someone, I just had an email this week from a person that was like, I want you to mentor me. I I live in the town over next to you. I started a business. It sucked. Uh, We had a lot of problems, and I just realized that I need help. Um, I was like, great. I can help you with that. Um,
0: If you want a mentor, by the way, we have mentorship on our website.
1: Oh, wow. What a shameless plug, Jay. You shameless plug whore.
0: I mean, honestly, (laughs) like I love helping people in this area. Me too. This is something I really enjoy, and I think – you're going to find like if you're new starting out that actually a lot of us who have been in the industry a long time really enjoy helping people mm-hmm. so
1: i um i have a story um and and honestly i didn't even realize i was being mentored for the company that we would create at the time um but i realized that the industry that i was shooting for um Ended up not being the industry that I wanted to shoot for, and and I ended up changing, you know, the the type of shooting that I wanted to do, to the industry I wanted to do. So, uh, back in about two thousand nine, two thousand ten, um, I was shooting for uh, shooters on the beach. It's a great uh, Biff and and the the company down there. They're awesome. They do wedding or not wedding portraits, but family portraits on the beach. So I'd wake up every morning six a.m., take photos of screaming kids in the morning, and then. Uh, edit in the afternoon, and then go back at nighttime during sunset and take awesome photos of uh, screaming kids at nighttime. It was awesome. Um, I I did enjoy that a lot. Um, But essentially, it allowed us to turn that model, which is a scaling model. They were shooting. You know, He had five photographers that we would all huddle together in the day. We'd edit. And then at nighttime, we would all disperse, drive to the different areas we would shoot. And it was a great job. It made good money. And I look at my business now and I'm like, that's Stop Go Love. (laughs) That's what we created. And uh, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I was just like, I loved that vibe of community, that people that I just really loved joking around with and just like shooting shit with all day. And then at nighttime, uh, going out, beautiful areas. You know, now I get to shoot beautiful wedding venues, work with new people every single time, have relationships. And so I had an awesome mentor um, who was able to tell me, hey, you know, this is a model. Um, and I was like, I don't want to shoot Screaming Kids anymore, but weddings are pretty cool. Maybe I could just apply that model to the wedding industry. And sure enough, like that, without that, I don't know if we would have, we probably would have figured it out. Maybe. 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 Maybe not. Like
0: I tend to think you're never going to be who you are alone, that you would be with help. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's the whole point of wedding film school. That's the whole pur- purpose of uh, educational channels where you're literally like we're giving away 22 years of 30 years of filmmaking experience in the industry because we believe people need insight. You yes. know, and that's I think Craig believed that and every Scott believed that and Jason and everyone involved believes like this is valuable to people. And it's one of the relationships I think people don't think about. I think, they, I think you're right. They don't often think about it when they're getting their business going. We do think of the planners and the photographers. And you know, and, and, and getting these things is often, in every one of these areas, whether it be learning the, the industry and knowing where the co- like power players are, getting to know them, planners, venue people, photographers, or getting a mentor – all of it is going to come down much more to your assertiveness and willingness to go get it than, than you probably are going to be comfortable with at first. I oftentimes talk to people, and I'm like, they're like, oh, this person. I don't know this person. I go, well, email them. <laughs> yeah. We'll call them. Uh, like, And it's like you have to offer value. There's a way, and we're not going to talk about that today. There's a wrong and a right way to introduce yourself, get connected with people, but ultimately they're not going to ever reach out to you. Like if you want to be mentored by me and you're like, I want to run a scale business. I'm not going to email you and say like, I randomly was thinking about a random email address and I typed it in <laughs> and then I just decided I want to help you. No, I'm going to be waiting for someone to call me and say, I want what you got. I want you to help me. And a planner that you want to know, they don't know you exist probably. You got to figure that out. And so I think this is a resource that you're going to, have and but it's also one that you're going to require and it's gonna require actually like putting effort into it
1: yeah and i would just add this is kind of off topic but in in regards to having a mentor is like people's bs meter is is pretty accurate like just be yourself like if you are a person and you're like i want to work with a very specific planner and you know they are doing a million dollar weddings and you're just getting into the wedding industry I'd probably wait on that one personally, but like there's yes. a lot of planners out there that if you're just like, hey, I'm just getting started. Uh, this is some of my work. You know, let them decide if they like it or not um, and and say, hey, I want to do this type of wedding. I notice that your style is like this. If you're ever doing like a stylized shoot or if you ever need someone to film, you know, a video for your website, I would love to be a person that can do that for you and, and just reaching mm-hmm. out. And a lot of times just reaching out to a lot of people is more beneficial to reaching out to just one person. You need uh, to
0: kiss many frogs.
1: That's right. That's right. But
0: relationships I've building, kissed
1: many and none have turned into uh, the prince anything. or
0: princess. <laughs> yeah. The relationships that you're gonna need, they are ladders that you have to climb. Yes. And like if you you if you want a second shoot and you want to learn to shoot light and airy, don't email Jose Villa. You know, he's gonna not respond to you.
1: And you're gonna be <laughs> discouraged very quickly.
0: Yeah. No, go with people who like who are accessible. You know, and I mean, whatever. I'm I'm not gonna stop you from shooting for the moon. Maybe you do email Josevia, but, but at the end, but don't be expecting that to be the thing that works. Like, if you have don't go for the if this is your first year in operation, like Jared said, I don't think you're gonna have much luck emailing the most expensive planner in your city, because they don't need to work with you. They can work with all these great people. So it's like you work with people who need people. That is like the most important contact is someone who needs you.
1: Yes. That's very true. (laughs)
0: Find someone who needs you and then meet a need for them. Just like when we talked about our business model, who is my customer segment and what needs am I fulfilling? I don't fulfill a need for a planner who can call any, any filmmaker in America. They don't need me. Mm -hmm. They, They, but the planner who's starting out, who's up and coming, who doesn't maybe have all the contacts, but they have a lot of weddings. They need you, yeah they'll be helpful and so, this
1: this is probably a little bit of a hybrid between the two, but sometimes you have to pay for these relationships,
0: maybe not with money, but definitely with time
1: definitely with time sometimes with money and if that means going to engage like we're doing in you know uh, December of, of 2021 you guys should come uh, or 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 just buying someone a freaking fruitcake. <laughs> Whatever it might be, online and sending it to them and saying, "Hey, I saw on your Instagram post that you love these. You know, here's a lemon meringue. Whatever. Like, I would love the opportunity
0: to work with you. Whatever it might be. So, a little bit of a hybrid. Yeah. So the last, the last thing, I think, and this is where a lot of people like, maybe you have a lot of clarity, maybe you don't have a lot of clarity, but I think a lot of creatives, this is the thing they, I feel like they do know, which is their portfolio, the proof of work. You must. That is one of your resources, and you have to take stock of it.
1: Um, and if you don't have
0: it, you then gotta get it. You got to get it quick. You got. Otherwise, get it. no one, no one will hire you. This is, this is what I, I will say. rewind, back to the, back to the hot dog stand. Your portfolio is like the raw materials of your wedding business. Not your camera. Mm-hmm. The portfolio is what's. It's like. It's akin to someone tasting your food. Mm-hmm. They don't care how it's made if it tastes good. Yep. Like, and so if well, you I mean if you don't, <laughs> they people don't. They're people eat McDonald's. They, they don't want to know what goes into the sausage. They don't. <laughs> they like it. They like it. They'll like and like just give someone something that tastes good. And if you don't have, I think most most of you listening, you probably have pretty good work maybe you're not always featuring it in the right way. You're not presenting exactly what you want. And, and that's a another discussion entirely. But I do think like kind of, we get into the ideal client discussion right here, which is like, you know, getting your business model is going to create a certain requirement financially. And, and so your business plan is going to be designed to help you get where you want to go. And maybe it's designed to get you a certain clientele that maybe you don't currently have now. Well, You got to get proof of work to get that clientele. That's like the most important thing besides it's like relationships and portfolio. If you think you want to be an editorial filmmaker slash photographer and shoot luxury weddings, you better go look and see, will my portfolio justify this conversation I'm going to have? We talk about it all the time. Am I ready? Am I ready? Are we ready for that conversation? Mm -hmm. Is our portfolio going to embarrass us? Mm -hmm. Because that's what people are going to do. You know,
1: we have plenty of portfolio pieces for the wedding industry, um, but where we struggle is. Was that my chair, by the way? Of course, it's your chair. Here's your... my chair. The back is off of my chair. I wish we
0: could show people the chair.
1: The... Every single episode, <laughs> a screw falls out. One of these times, this thing is just going to impale me.
0: <laughs> Man, office <laughs> chairs are just so expensive.
1: Uh, yeah, they're expensive. Um, but, uh, but yeah, on our commercial side, we're always like, well, do we have the work up? Is it available? Like, is this going to embarrass us? Should I just tell people, like, you know, hey, you know, this is some work we've done, but we're mostly, you know, just having an honest conversation with people about what the work is. But it, it's, it's a struggle for us because we just don't have as much commercial work. We're mostly in the wedding industry. So,
0: yeah. And we don't have the time.
1: Yeah. You know? And that's okay. And, and also, I'm like, eh. Most of the time, I'm like, all right. like, if we don't get this job, I'm fine with it. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not willing to day. do the work it requires to get all those commercial jobs. Yeah, but but what is interesting is this is probably the part that's going to be the most fun for you if you're a wedding filmmaker is like you're going to enjoy, um, you know, building your portfolio. Mm-hmm. But I do think you need to view it as a resource of the business, and it it's like an every year resource. You need to always be making sure that your business has the portfolio needed to support your business plan because if your business plan is like to shoot 20 weddings a year at eight thousand dollars right pretty good business there pretty solid if you're able to do that I mean you're amazing if you're able to do that you need a portfolio that supports it now probably you'll get it probably you'll get it but like what does that mean okay your portfolio by the way we mean the work that is seen by everyone you know of course you have that's a very narrow definition, but just in terms of what I'm displaying, I need enough things to show people that will generate interest in my product and allow me to be profitable. And it needs to be the type of thing that will get me to the next thing. This is not to say that you only shoot those things. That's why we're distinguishing between your portfolio that way, because I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking like, I want to be known as an adventure person. So I only shoot adventure weddings. You're like, and then they look at their their bottom line. They're not, they're making 15 grand as a business because they turn down every wedding. And they think that's how you get your ideal client. It's like, no, it matters what you put out there. It doesn't matter what you, you need to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, that's that's our belief. That's our belief is like, I'm not here to tell you how to like be happy shooting photos. I'm here to tell you how to make a living shooting photos or doing video.
1: You know, on this scale, I think there there is a little bit of a trap with, portfolio where it's like some people might view it as the end all be all and probably the most important resource that you have um and i'm not saying it's not important i think it's very very important um but it it it, it, um works in sync with the rest of these
0: yeah it's important it is important
1: as do all of these you know these top fives they all work in sync with one another the portfolio without a good relationship You know, wouldn't it have happened? The same thing without, you know, good money to buy the gear to support the. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. uh, I think time and
0: money are like simpatico, right? Yep. And I think portfolio and relationships Mm -hmm. are like similar. Yep. Like you get good portfolio. Yeah. Well, of course, gear too. I think gear is in the middle, right? It's like playing between all of them, but like Mm -hmm. you might get a lot of money, but not build a good portfolio. Yeah. But you if you have good contacts, contacts in the industry, you can get great portfolio work. Yeah. Like there's gonna be a time and a place in your business where you're gonna look and go, Okay, I'm making a hundred grand a year. I have I'm well established. I can call this planner. And at that point, you're gonna wanna call planners and get those relationships going that help you get the portfolio you want. You're gonna yeah. start making your decisions that later in your career you go that are much more portfolio driven. Yep. Because you have enough demand on your business that you know you can still make money.
1: I was gonna say too. You know, we we did take out one item off of our top five list, which was talent. And and the hard thing with talent, like we had mentioned, and the reason we why we took it out is it's it's much harder to quantify what that is. But or I think how
0: even the impact of it. The hard. impact.
1: But I, I do think it impacts what your portfolio is. Obviously, like you know, if you don't have a lot of talent. It affects what your portfolio is. Or skill. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you know, I, I think talent definitely plays into the role of your portfolio. Um, and that's kind of a resource like that it's you should a tough think thing about. But it's hard to take stock of, right? It's also
0: tough because, like, in reality, we're not all as good as everyone else. Sure, yeah. And I, this is the thing I always say in the industry is, like, not everyone is as good. Mm-hmm. Not every – like, it's like everyone can – no, not everyone – If everyone could sell an $8,000 wedding film, then everyone would. Yeah. They can't. Some people don't have what it takes.
1: I have a question for you when it comes to this. Do you feel the same way when it comes to having uh, a good business?
0: Yes and no. If by good business you mean as good as it can be, better, no. Everyone can have a good to better business. There are some core competencies required, so I guess... Not everyone can have the same business, but I think everyone can run a business. Not everyone can run a wedding film business, but you could run some business. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can do something that is successful, and they can use these principles to be successful. Yeah. Not everyone can be as successful as everyone else. And I think that's just important to get through your head early in your career. Is like, who am I competing with? I'm competing with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not competing with the best person in my industry. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not a very cause when I say like not everyone is as good, not everyone is as talented, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to get you to like take that off the table of competition in your head. Mm-hmm. You're not yep. competing with anyone else but yourself. Yep. So you're trying to have the best business for you.
1: I think there's there's a certain thought that oh I as soon as I become Alex Douglas, then I'll have a successful business. And and we're saying you probably can never be Alex Douglas. Alex Douglas is Alex Douglas. Like, he is just, like, top-tier talent. There's a lot of people that will never be able to reach that level of just pure talent. And and how could they? You know, people's backgrounds are different. People's interests are different. Um, I went to
0: film school.
1: But, but then also... Did you go to film school? But then also, um, you know, on the same accord, like, Alex Douglas probably could never become the Grant Cardone of wedding films, you know? Like, he could never become, like... The person that is just making a ton of money because he's just not built for it. He's not interested in it.
0: He couldn't be the Um, Jared Haskell because he wouldn't want to sell 120. Like, you're not trying to be anyone else. What we're talking about is there are foundational things that are successful or not. Yep. Right? Running out of money, having money. Being bookable by the person who you can delight versus not being bookable. Like, pissing people off versus making people happy. That's what we're talking about. Yep. You know, and so ultimately, like, hopefully you listen to this and, and, and you were like, okay, these are all the resources. I need to take stock of this. Maybe wrote it down at the beginning of, like, what you currently have. You know, these are the things I have. What I want you to do now is write down what you need to get. Imagine that you're planning for five years down the line to the best of your ability. What would be your dream business, right? Would it take more editing or less editing? Would you shoot certain cameras? Would you shoot in certain places? Would you certain type? Like, take that and redo it in the next section on the the work thing with the business that you want. And I want you to look at the business you have versus the business you want. And I want you to see, you know, kind of Venn diagram it in your head. Like, where's the crossover? Great. Those are the areas that you don't need to apply pressure to because they're, you know, you keep them maintain them, but like you have the gear you need or you have the portfolio you need or you have the contacts you need or whatever it is, that's great. Wherever they're crossing over, awesome. But wherever they're not, where you're looking at the business you have and the business you want and you're seeing some things lacking from the business you have, you need to take it over and you need that's what you need to do work on right now to start getting where you want to get with your like either adding the resource, hiring a person, changing your prices to get the money, buying the camera, creating the contacts, whatever it is, that's what I want you to look at doing if you're listening to this. I
1: might do it myself, actually, because yeah. I think it. we have goals in our own business, and I don't think we do this enough. I think it's a good even annual kind of uh, thing to, to go through and, and check yourself, because yep. uh, especially this time where you might be a little bit slower. So yep. Yep. hopefully, um, guys, hopefully this was somewhat helpful again the whole reason why we're doing this is really just take account to become rich well yeah richer (laughs) maybe for us
0: to become rich so yeah give us a super sticker down there two bucks
1: yeah um (laughs) youtube if this has been helpful um leave a comment uh of, of to the area that that was most helpful to you or maybe questions you might have about your personal business maybe areas of struggle that you're having hurdles that you're having a hard time getting over Um, A lot of us, I think, find areas in our business that we just end up plateauing on and we can't figure out just how to get through them or get over them. Coronavirus was definitely no help this last year. Um, But uh, also, guys, make sure that you are checking out the Facebook group. Uh, We have a a very active Facebook group uh, where we discuss these things. If you want to ask questions of the group, uh, do so there. Also, do all the YouTube things. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. It really goes a long way in uh, getting this kind of message out to other wedding filmmakers. And that's kind of the point of Wedding Film School is um, you know, helping people have more successful businesses. Jay and I always say it, like only 50% of the brides out there are getting a wedding film. We think that number should be closer to 90%. And that's uh, the goal is everyone eats, everyone does a lot better when we all are running more successful businesses. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Wedding Film School Show, guys. We love y'all. We'll see you next week.